On today's episode of Dance Med Spotlight, I'm talking with the fabulous Courtney Adair, who is a professional West Coast swing dancer, instructor, and judge, who is now going back to school, getting a master's in clinical mental health, and has training in trauma-informed yoga. What's amazing is she's now taking things from each of those different aspects of her life and melding them all back into West Coast Swing, sharing it not only as a dancer on the dance floor, but with her students in the classroom as well. One thing that I wanna say with this episode is even if you are not a West Coast Swing dancer, you're not a part of the West Coast Swing community, there are so many important aspects that you can pull from to bring into your own practice as a dancer. We talk a lot about what it is to show up as a dancer, how things translate from sort of our outside lives and the dance space. Being able to acknowledge challenges that happen, but also embrace the beautiful moments. Lots of really interesting things that we've talked about, some different tools that we discuss as well. So make sure, West Coast Swing Dancer or not, that you check out the rest of this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Dance Med Spotlight, where we talk about all things dance medicine and dance science. Today, I have an exciting guest that I'm really looking forward to talking with. This person is a professional West Coast swing dancer, a master's candidate for clinical mental health, and specially trained in trauma-informed yoga. Help me welcome Courtney Adair. Thank you so much for coming on today, Alyssa. Yeah, welcome, Courtney. So my number one question that I always like to ask people who come on is tell us a little bit about sort of who you are and what got you here. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, thank you for the question. It's just, I'm such an, at an interesting place in my life where so many different parts of what got me here are now like integrating, um, which is really wonderful. So yes. yeah, so professional West Coast swing dancer for over 15 years. Um, so traveling 40 weekends a year, getting to teach and perform and judge all over the world. Um, and then the pandemic happened and it, uh, everyone had to make a big shift and that shift for me included slowing down, reconnecting with my yoga practices and becoming a student again. So I, uh, in 2018, I did my 200-hour yoga teacher training in Peru. Um, absolutely adored, loved everything about that and how that impacted my life. And then during the pandemic, I saw that they were offering a 300-hour online. And I went, huh, I have the space for that. And so I dove in. Um, and that started to create the foundation and some confidence for me to start to move towards what I wanted to work on with my dance students off of the dance floor. So I also started dabbling in a little bit of Buddhism and then this wonderful university called Naropa University came, um, yeah, just started seeing that pop up everywhere and um, decided to go back to school. Yeah. And so that led me to Naropa and their contemplative and Buddhist psychotherapy program mm -hmm. uh, and a big move to Boulder, Colorado, um, 
Yeah, and here I am. And what's been great is last summer, I started coming back into the West Coast Swing community and getting to teach and judge. And I noticed that the, the therapy side of me um, wasn't getting left behind in Boulder. So that was coming along for the ride as I was working with students mm -hmm. and uh, just continuing to deepen and integrate um, all those parts and, and training and kind of life experiences I've been going through, especially the last two years. So I'm sure I've left off some like random trails, but that's like the general flow of who I am and, and how I got to where I am today. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think there's a couple interesting things that you mentioned in there. Like one, I think as hard and challenging as the pandemic and quarantine was for everybody, I think sometimes there were some good things that came out of that sort of forced pause for a bit. Mm -hmm. because I know it definitely gave me the opportunity to sort of reevaluate my life and mm -hmm. think about how am I scheduling myself or how am I taking care of myself and forced me to take a step back from the things that normally kept me very busy and then allowed me to kind of, once things were opening back up again, okay, how do I actually want to piece all of these things back together mm -hmm. and do something that still lets me do what I want to do or need to do, but lets me still take good care of myself through all of it and prioritize myself a little bit better than I did before. Yeah, it's so interesting. So my word this week has been recalibration. So the past two weekends, I was on the road traveling for West Coast Swing events. So was in Phoenix, got to see you there. <laughs> and then last, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then last weekend, I was in Dallas. And I came home on Monday and I went, how did I used to do that for a living? Um, and just noticing, you know, like it's so easy for that, like busyness and for exciting things in life to happen. And then, yeah, like something has to shift um, in order to create like the reset and the grounding um, or whatever it is that, that might be needed. So this feels like a theme yeah been very present in my life this week. Mm -hmm. For people who maybe aren't as familiar with yoga practice and maybe the extent is like, I know tree pose or downward dog. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about what is trauma-informed yoga versus maybe kind of our more standard yoga practices we think of. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, Trauma-informed is always about the person knows what's best for their body. So as a yoga instructor, I'm there to offer suggestions, invitations, but coming from a trauma-informed lens, like I never want to come into a yoga studio or work with a, a client and say, this is what you should do, right? It's like, how would, how would this feel? Um, get curious about this. And it's really easy, like, unfortunately, the West has co-opted yoga in a lot of ways so that it's become like a new exercise regimen. Um, and so a lot of people, unfortunately, have the experience of getting onto the yoga mat and feeling like they're not doing it right. And from a trauma-informed lens, I'm always interested in like creating safety for someone's body. And that means that they are 
always able to consent to whatever they're doing, uh, that there's always choice and options, and that if something isn't working for them, that they have the agency to make the choice of, of how their body's moving. Yeah, so that's a big part. So it's a lot of like invitational language, um, not creating like a hierarchy of like, here's the beginning thing. And then if you want the advanced pose, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so it was trying to, again, like have this be directed back towards the student. Um, yeah, to really be in their own power to make decisions for their bodies. And I can see how that can really nicely translate into dance and especially thinking of styles like West Coast Swing versus maybe, you know, when I think of, say, ballroom and doing waltz, for example, when it's this very rigid, your head is here and it only turns here at certain times and, and that sort of thing, being able to bring that, you know, move what is comfortable with your body within your dance. How do you integrate that for yourself and maybe for your students that you're working with? Yeah, um, you're just picking up on so many themes of what I've been working with. This is great. <laughs> yeah, especially because West Coast Swing isn't standardized. So there is inherently like so much freedom in it. And so lately when I'm teaching workshops, I'm really trying to say yes a whole lot more. So I get a lot of questions of like, is it okay if I do this? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, West Coast Swing is, there's opportunity for everybody and every form of movement and expression to be represented. So as an instructor, I'm really looking at how can I support someone's dance journey to be the best version of themselves and what's in alignment for them, as opposed to like a standardized technique or what I think should be happening, right? Because I can only really have the experience of my body um, and that's not gonna work for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you noticed any changes even in how maybe you're um, observing movement or assessing things when you're more in the judging role now versus before you got into the work that you've embraced in the last couple of years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find myself really prioritizing um, ease and flow in dancers. So kind of setting aside like my my version of, of the dance and seeing like witnessing the dancer in front of me and seeing if there's comfort, if there's joy in their movement um, and really starting to prioritize that. I'm also my program and then I just started my clinical internship. So a lot of the work I'm doing is from a social justice lens. Mm -hmm. So I've also been really curious about um, different bodies and what our inherent biases are. Like what the media has told us is attractive or healthy or desirable. And just noticing how those can come online when I'm judging. So really mm -hmm. trying to build a lot of awareness around that and recognizing again, that like someone's movement potential is theirs and not creating this standardized form of what it should look like. Yeah, I love that. Especially thinking, 
you know, like one of the popular things on Facebook is the Westie discussion of the day. And a couple of times now I've seen topics come up of, well, it seems like some of the dancers who always do well are the ones who kind of fit the more stereotypical, attractive body type versus maybe someone who's in a bigger body or something like that. And it's been interesting over time. I think I saw that that type of discussion happened first a few years ago. And then again, just, I don't know, in the last month or so. And the more recent discussion, I was seeing more of, but no, other bodies, all bodies can do really well in this dance and still be beautiful in the dance. And you don't have to have this one body type, mm -hmm. which has been refreshing to see that shift. And I hope to see more of that happen for sure too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not familiar with other dance styles um, or other dance communities, um, but I just, I hope that these conversations are happening in those as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I am seeing some of that in some in more styles than others, mm -hmm. but I am starting to kind of see that trend at least eek forward a little bit in places. Yeah. Thinking again of kind of one of our, our homes in West Coast Swing, if we're at competitions or conventions and doing that sort of thing, it definitely is an interesting environment to be in from the self-care or mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. What are some maybe challenges that you've seen since you've been part of the community for a while, both just sort of as a regular dancer and then from the professional lens too? Yeah. Um, whew, it is like, <laughs> yeah, there's so much stimulation. The, the, the lights and the music and the amount of bodies in the room. And then you have that paired with people traveling, not getting a ton of sleep, really working their bodies, maybe not having access to nutrition or hydration like they usually would. Um, yeah, and it's just all of these forces come together and it's so, so easy to um, for weekends to be hard mentally and and physically. Um, yeah, so some of some of the little practices that I do um, that I find really add up a lot are as soon as I get into the hotel room, I unpack my suitcase. So I put my clothes in the drawers, I get everything set up. I just, I like knowing that with all the stress that I can't be in control of during the weekend, I can set up my space. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not quite as extensive as it used to be. I used to bring like tapestries and twinkle lights, <laughs> but I do make sure that I pack some incense. Uh, that's just one of my, my rituals to start the day. Um, yeah, so really like setting up the space, taking a shower when I arrive, just having that moment of like, I'm transitioning from home to airport or car, and now I'm here and this is my home for the weekend. So. Yeah setting up the space before the weekend kicks off has been something that's been really impactful for me. I have that same habit of as soon as I'm in, unless I have to be out the door again, unpack that bag, 
And then, you know, one thing that I've started doing for myself too, is even having a little like self-care kit. And so for me, it's a lot of body work stuff, Mm -hmm. a special ball to massage my feet with and a different thing for my back and a massage gun and, you know, all these different things that I lay out usually like where the TV is. And it's like, all right, if I'm feeling anything that doesn't feel good in my body, when I come back to my room, I know I have these things out and ready to go so I can take care of myself. Oh, I love that. That also reminds me that I need to replace my lacrosse ball. I used to travel with one and then my dog was like, nope, this is my toy now. So thank you for the reminder. I'll have to add that. You're to welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. One thing that definitely comes up in the competition space too, and more specifically thinking of West Coast Swing when we're thinking about progressing like from one round to the next in competition, it's for people who aren't familiar with it, it's kind of an intense thing. Like you yeah. go, you do your prelim round or something like that, whatever the first round is for you. And then either you're waiting around the ballroom with your number on and you're all ready to go and you're waiting to hear your name called and hope it gets called. And then the other option is it gets posted in the hallway and it's a list of names, mm-hmm. literally the list of everybody who did it mm-hmm. ranked in order and you're searching for your name up on there. And I know so many people have had various experiences yes. either way. Um, so it can be almost kind of a traumatic way of being assessed or figuring out what you're doing for the rest of your weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what can be really helpful is like naming the potential impact of like, a lot of people are like, oh, this is my hobby. Like, yes. And like, you're putting your body on the floor and you're asking someone to tell you what they think of their dancing. And those conditions aren't ideal, obviously. But um, yeah, but just like naming that like, hey, this can really have an impact on your nervous system. This can then balloon out into other areas of like how you're feeling about your dance, maybe even impacting mental health, how you're feeling about yourself. So not like avoiding it or trying to say, oh no, this, this doesn't matter. But like, hey, if it's landing for you, like allowing that to be there. And maybe mm-hmm. that could even look like coming up with... Um, a little bit of planning around how you want to spend the time between your first round and then receiving results. Do you want to step outside and like put your feet in the earth? Do you want to go upstairs and like have a big glass of water? Do you want to connect with a friend? Like what are the ways that you want to be spending your time? And maybe that's like social dancing in the ballroom and like reconnecting with the dance in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and And then like noticing when you're walking up to the wall with the list of finalists or you get that push notification on your phone, like maybe there's an opportunity to take a big breath before you take a look at it, you know, or maybe you set up some more of those like self-care practices for after. Um, Just like naming when something might be difficult or joyful or whatever it is, but we don't know, right? And how can I set up support on either end of that so that I can hold the experience and, yeah, maybe lean into support a little bit more. Mm-hmm. One thing I definitely appreciated at Phoenix is their space that 
we were in, it was more of a resort where everything is spread out on the campus, essentially, as opposed to kind of your standard hotel where you just go upstairs to a room. And I actually kind of appreciated that opportunity to walk outside, mm -hmm. to go back to my room or to go to the restaurant, go grab coffee, whatever it was. Um, and just having that time outside and away from all of the sort of unnatural stimulus that happens in the ballroom mm -hmm. and being outside with, even though it was hot, um, you know, <laughs> the plants and flowers and little lizard creatures crawling around. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I actually did for myself this time was when I knew results were posted to go look at, you know, did I make it to the next round or did I make finals? I waited for that initial rush of everyone who wants to go check. And I came back a while later. I had gotten food. I did some social dancing. You know, I just took a break. Mm -hmm. And then I think there were like two people at the wall when I went up to go look. And that felt like such a better space for me to be in and kind of acknowledging like, I know anxiety is a thing for me. And so going and joining the mass of people right. <laughs> is not the right space or environment for me to go look at the results, whatever they might be. Yeah. And, and, you know, within that, like recognizing that like dancers are probably having a similar experience. So it's not just 20 people looking at the wall. It's 20 people that also might be experiencing some anxiety or nerves. And so we get like into that energetic space and we're absolutely impacted by that. Yeah. I love that you allowed for that to kind of calm down before you went and checked. That's awesome. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a nice experience compared to some previous ones that I've had sometimes to go look. Yeah. Tell me a bit more. So you've got this awesome event coming up next year, the Westie Wellness Retreat. Um, talk to me about what this is going to be for dancers. Yeah. Um, I'm just, yeah, big smile on my face. I'm just so excited for um, this opportunity. And so um, Elizabeth and Kovia are two women who approached me with the idea. And I went, oh my goodness, like these are the huge, like two parts of my life really being able to come together. Um, and so it's it's a retreat in Guatemala. Um, we're keeping it small. Um, and it is basically, how do we work with ourselves, build some awareness of our own experience and then how do we maybe see how that can show up within partnership and on the dance floor mm. so one of the reasons i love west coast swing is i feel like it is so therapeutic like it's this partnership and sometimes what can happen is we don't give it the space to be as impactful as it is and so i work with a lot of students who become really focused on like the dance technique and their partnering skills and their connection and musicality and, and yes, and they lose themselves within working on this thing. And what I found is that when we can bring ourselves to the work in West Coast Swing, that like so much is able to be unearthed and healed and worked with. So we'll spend the first part of the day 
doing some mindful movement, some different um, activities around like some boundary work, being able to track our internal experience. And then we have like fun break time, great food, um, adventures. And then we'll come back in the afternoon and we bring that into like the West Coast swing space and we bring it into partnership and into connection. So each day has a theme and we're kind of building on like, okay, let's say it's setting boundaries and like noticing when like energy is impacting me or like how I respond, right? So we get to work on that, like kind of within ourselves and then we'll get to work on that with partners and kind of getting to play in, in that space. Mm -hmm. So it's really looking at your experience as a human being and everything that that has been, and then allowing that to be present, like in our dance. And, and it's really fun to see what's possible when we bring creativity um, and our artistry as dancers. And then we allow all of that personal work to also inform that. So that's kind of, at least from my perspective, that's, that's what I'm so excited to get to work with. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I, I love that, you know, sort of work on yourself first a little bit, have mm -hmm. some time away doing something totally different yep. and then see how to integrate it now with your partner um, yes. and dancing. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And um, yeah. And like lots of social dancing at night and like hanging out, opening up a bottle of wine, getting to connect and build community. Um, because yeah, like what you were saying about dance events is like, there's so much and the schedule can be quite intense. And so like really like nurturing some of the social aspects um, that we might not always have time for in an event, um, really delicious food, great people. Yeah. It's, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really cool part of it for me because I know even in the local community, you know, I'm out dancing quite frequently, but if you're busy dancing, it means that you don't have the opportunity to socialize. And so sometimes it's sort of like, Ooh, do I want to be social tonight? Do I want to dance? I don't know where my balance is on things. Okay. And there are some people that, you know, we might've both been part of the community for a long time, but we have hardly ever truly interacted with one another. So having opportunities like that to just have social moments is fantastic too. Yeah. And I think it's also, um, it's really easy to feel alone and that like whatever you're struggling with or moving through, like it's unique to you and like, and there must be something wrong with you if you're feeling like lack of confidence or insecurity or whatever it might be. So being able to like be in a community of people um, where it's social and there's this like opportunity to connect on what we might be moving through. Um, because sometimes, yeah, at like, the Merc on a Wednesday night isn't the time for me to connect with you and be like, oh, I'm really working with imposter syndrome right now. Right. So having like a little bit more of like that quieter space to where like, yeah, we can joke and hang out and chill. There's that. And if people want to connect and go a little bit deeper, like here's the container for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I think one thing that you were talking about with all of that too is that piece of being able to step away from just the the drilling technique or drilling skills 
I think one, that's just an easy sort of trap to fall into no matter where you are in your dance practice. I know for myself, once I got past my like very, very beginner stage and was sort of in the, okay, now how do I move on from this? I got stuck in that for sure. And it became more of a, well, this judge I know, or I think I know, likes this style of dancing. So since they're a judge on the floor, I'm going to modify what I'm doing. Or, you know, I just worked on whips and this workshop and I need to integrate some of these things. And I was so in my brain trying to problem solve and fit all the puzzle pieces together that I kind of forgot that, but I am me dancing in this moment. And so it took some work to get out of that place and get back to truly enjoying this experience in the moment. Because one of the things that I love about West Coast Swing, and I've said this on previous episodes, so people may be sick of hearing it from me, but I love that it is this single moment in time with that one partner to that one song that will never ever be created again. Like even if you tried, you will not make that same moment happen and the same feelings happen in that moment Mm -hmm. ever again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the ultimate mindfulness practice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it becomes so easy, like you're saying, to work on the technique and it becomes this like externalized thing. And we forget that like, oh, it's about my body dancing. And like, what's that experience? You know, like it's so, I hear so much, especially from like male identified leaders who are like, I don't know when and how to like allow my follower to play. And it's like, okay, well we can look at the technique of that. And then we can also get curious about um, what are your interpersonal, you know, like dynamics, especially with like women identified people in your life. Like how do you get to connect with them? And like, what are your conversational skills like? And can we work on some, maybe some active listening? And like, can we bring in these different things so that it's not about, oh, I lead this move and I know that I can give my followers space here. It's like, oh, how do I interact with bodies? And how do we open up this conversation so that um, there's a lot of equity? Um, Yeah, so it's like, things are just like weaving in and out. And sometimes when it's, there's a time and a place for it to be simplified, right? Like put your foot here. This is how you connect here. Like, absolutely. Like, yes, I don't want to negate that at all. And then we come to this partner journey where it's like, oh, this could be a whole lot more. And um, yeah, so that's really kind of what Guatemala is diving into. Mm -hmm. Something that you said really struck a thought in my brain, this idea of, I I really do agree that there are things where in our dance, we can see things that maybe we're experiencing in our non-dance life or mm-hmm. vice versa, mm-hmm. or things where maybe we practice it in one place, and then we can learn how to bring that practice into the other. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that has kind of come up more recently is, you know, even in some of the ways that we actually learn to do the dance and the way that we introduce how we're doing the movements and the patterns and how we're connecting with our partner, going back to things like what I learn as 
faculty in a physical therapy program teaching students how to do hands-on skills and assessments with a patient that they're connected to. There are things that, you know, ideas and concepts that connect to one another, which has been really cool to see yeah. um, and cool to figure out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I really adore about the West Coast community is sometimes it's really slow, but I am always seeing change. Like, yeah, I, I and I feel like it's been snowballing a little bit since the pandemic where it's not, um, oh, this is just always the way that we've done things, but it's like, hey, like how we're teaching our dance. Like, can we make sure that we're really doing this like in the safest way possible that supports the most amount of people? Um, how we're judging, um, yeah, yeah. Um, the representation on staff, like there's just so much change happening that makes me excited to be in this community and really proud. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, the pandemic was one of those opportunities for people to kind of explore, well, what are the other pieces to this? Mm -hmm. Seeing a lot more from, you know, organizations like Swing Diversity coming out and, and things that they're contributing to the community. And yeah, uh, different approaches to teaching more. I feel like there's been more focus even in workshops that I've been in at events where it talks about you know, how is this feeling in your body, mm -hmm. making sure that we're doing things safely and not just, well, this is just what we're doing. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's been cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. What have you been seeing with maybe some of your students or in workshops now that you're integrating some of these new concepts as far as how they're performing, not performing in the sense of like in competition, but just performing as a human, um, integrating these other ideas. Yeah. I immediately see this like, like relaxation of like, oh, there's not just one way to do it. Um, I can find my way to do it. Um, so I'm seeing first this like release of tension of like, oh no, am I going to get this wrong if I don't do it this way? That's great. And then I'm seeing that tension being replaced with a lot of empowerment, right? So a lot of like agency over like, oh, I can move my body in this way, you know? Um, or uh, that technique isn't the end all be all. Um, or or if, a, if um, something from that I've learned in a workshop isn't feeling good in my body, like that's okay, we'll just set it aside. Maybe that's not for your body. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of empowerment, a lot more freedom on the floor, which is wonderful to see. Um, and so I, yeah, so I get to witness a lot more like unique expression because people can sometimes feel like there's this like box around what their dance can or can't be. And then getting curious about like, who put those walls there? Are they serving you? Like, can we maybe expand them a little bit? Um, yeah. So that's been really, really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely see that, you know, sort of some of those mental blocks we can get for ourselves, whether it's something we create or something that we perceive from somebody else. And we're like, oh, yeah, this should be a thing when, in fact, it is not. Um, so being able to work through some of that and acknowledge what those things are is important. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, um, when dancers are competing, um, 
it's not, I mean, of course it's about like the physicality of competition, absolutely. But so much of what I'm seeing and hearing and getting to work with is how do students mentally feel as they're going into competition and how can they set themselves up for a successful experience, like regardless of what the judges say. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like this phenomenon of two in the morning, dark ballroom, like I am a champion dancer. And then prelims at noon on a Saturday, like I completely feel like not myself, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we set up support so that you are in touch with that dancer at 2 a.m. at noon on a, on a competitive floor. And also recognizing like those conditions are totally different. And so we're gonna feel different and that's okay. And sometimes people just have this assumption that like if they're not competing and feeling quote unquote like themselves that there's something like wrong with their dance or they can't access it or whatever it is. And it's like, no, that's just like literally the roller coaster that we're on and that's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Most definitely. And that's such an important point of the the dance floor in the competition moment is such a different environment in like literally every way compared to other times that we're dancing. I know like for me, I grew up doing dance. I did ballet and tap starting when I was three years old. And so I am used to being on stage and performing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's one of the things I like about competition. For me, it's less about my ultimate placement, that's like icing on the cake. Yeah. But being on the competition floor, it's my opportunity to perform yeah. for people. And yeah. so I like if I can get to the next round because it's another performance opportunity, not because it's like I'm going to fight for first place or something like that. Right. But I have that experience and that background where that is like, ah, this is what I love. Other people will have completely the opposite reaction with mm -hmm. the hot lights and everyone sitting there staring at you. And maybe you hear people shouting for a couple over there, but you're not hearing anything near you. And it's like, oh no, are people, am I not doing good? Or, you know, and, and it can be an, an intimidating space to be in for a million different reasons. Yeah. And like our bodies respond to all of that like they're taking in all of that information regardless if we're cognitively aware of it and like one of the first things that flies out the window when we experience stress is like creativity right because like creativity isn't necessarily going to keep our body safe so like noticing when like your system is starting to approach dysregulation and then um like one of the things like that i love to have students do is like hey, like scan the room. Like it's so easy to get your partner and then be like, okay, here's the thing and I have to do it and our body like constricts. And it's like, oh, one of like the easiest ways to um, let your body know that it's safe is to like just check out your surroundings, like see the ceiling, notice a couple textures, maybe some colors. Okay, and that took 10 seconds and now we're ready for our first triple step. So again, it's like, let's not dismiss that these things are happening or make it somehow like an internal thing. Like I'm not doing well or someone else is doing better. And it's like, let's just look at the conditions and the systems and then create some opportunities for us to acknowledge that and work with it. 
I think some of it also goes back to kind of how we're taking care of ourselves throughout the weekend too. That's one thing I've definitely learned for myself of, you know, earlier on, it was give me all the workshops, private lessons, social dancing, I can and will do it all. And then you get to competition where nerves are naturally higher, no matter what your perspective and feeling is about competing. Um, And, you know, it, it didn't feel as good on the body. And now I've recognized, you know, I don't have to go to every workshop. And even though I'd like to stay up in social dance, I know I'll feel better if I get a little bit more sleep. Um, carrying a water bottle with me instead of just drinking out of the little plastic cups that you have to go fill up, mm-hmm. you know, just little things like that to support my body yep. to then help me feel better when I am in those moments that I know are going to be higher stress. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the adrenaline um, that happens and then what do we do with it after, you know? Um uh, yeah, and hearing how, like, for you, like, that adrenaline is just, like, ooh, I get to perform, you know, and your body is, like, used to metabolizing it that way. And then for other people, that, like, adrenaline can be, like, anxiety. And then we dance into the hot lights, and then we just leave the floor, and then we wait for results. And it's, like, that needs to move. So, like, shake, like, swiping it off, going outside, like, just all these ways that we can, yeah, be aware of what we're experiencing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah snacks that's been my latest thing like snacks always yes. have like something small um available because yeah like you're not always in control of your schedule um during a weekend especially if you're competing and they need an extra round or things are running behind whatever it is so not like counting on being able to leave the hotel or leave the ballroom to go get a meal and really like packing some of that sustenance for you yeah it's, Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always have a protein bar or something in my bag just in case, because you never know. (laughs) And one thing I've actually found for myself too, more because of things that I've learned for myself, just from anxiety in life, not necessarily in dance, but sometimes having like, I always have mints with me or things where it's like a really strong, intense flavor or scent or something. So it's almost like this little like shock of I'm kind of stuck in my little bubble. And then I have that and it's like, okay, I can break out of this. Mm -hmm. So something like that has been helpful for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it reminds me of like coming back to the present moment because anxiety is so easy to be like, either ruminating thoughts in the future that whatever it is, but it's like, it just takes you away from like being here now. Um, yeah. Like, and I love like stepping outside and like tuning into the sounds of birds. Like that's just another one that lets me like expand when my focus gets really narrow and nervous and anxious of being like, and there's birds, birds exist in this world. It's like, let me just remind myself of that. Yeah. I hadn't heard of the, of mints. And I love that that brings, yeah, that can allow your attention to come online for a different present moment experience. It's really accessible. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just get like the super strong Altoids. Those are my (laughs) go-to. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good opportunity for a special segment that we have on Dance Med Spotlight. (music) 
So we have the final bow. Basically, this is your opportunity. If people have been listening to this episode, we've been talking about a lot. What is the one thing that you hope that they walk away with? Hmm. I think my mind is still like tracking on the mitts. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's that um, West Coast Swing is a dance and as a community of events that happen in different places and different settings, there's so much potential for beautiful connection and expression and there's also potential for a lot of a lot of difficulty. Um, so just dancers giving themselves some more space to have the experience they're experiencing, and then reaching out for support or leaning on different tools to be able to support themselves so that they can show up for for the beautiful parts and and just acknowledging that sometimes it's hard, and that's okay. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that would be my final bow. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. And then last bit is tell us what you have going on. Anything that you want to promote to the community now is your time. Awesome. Yeah. So talking about Guatemala um, and the Westie Wellness Retreat. So that is um, January 24th through 29th of next year. I can't wait to be in Guatemala and like leave Colorado in January. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah get some sunshine. Um, so you can find out more information about that at thespacebend.com slash Guatemala. So that's coming up. Um, I'm also getting to do some work with Swing Diversity, which has just been really, really awesome. So if you haven't heard of Swing Diversity and everything that they're um, offering, really check them out. And otherwise, dance-wise, coming up for me, I'm at Swingtacular and swing time and then I'll be here locally at Westy Whirlwind. So those are the things, um, yeah, dance wise that I'm excited about. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for being a guest on an episode of Dance Med Spotlight. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great getting to chat with you and, and hear more about your expertise and your experience too. Dance Med Spotlight is hosted and produced by Alyssa Arms. We discuss all things dance medicine. This has been another episode from Dance Med Spotlight. The Dance Med Spotlight is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present.